I am Tasso Pardalis, and my firm here in New York is Pardalis and Novica. Thank you for joining us. Today, we are going to talk about a topic that a lot of people have been asking about and talking about and that has been in the news and on our social media nonstop lately. There have been discussions about Derek Chauvin, the 44-year-old Minnesota police officer who was arrested on May 29th and charged with the third-degree murder and manslaughter of George Floyd. By the way, a charge of second-degree murder was added on June 3rd. And as most of you know, three officers at the scene of Floyd's detainment were also arrested and charged with aiding and abetting murder. But our topic of discussion today is whether Officer Chauvin could possibly have his trial removed from Hennepin County in Minneapolis, where the killing took place, and moved to another county where Chauvin might have a better shot at getting jurors who are less inflamed because of the distance from the crime. Trial attorneys know that the most important part of a case is attempting to get a judge or a jury who will give you at least a chance of winning the case. So think about this. Imagine, okay, could it be possible that there have been a fair prosecution of the terrorists responsible for the September 11, 2001 attacks on the World Trade Center in Manhattan? I mean, virtually everyone in the tri-state area was personally impacted on that terrible day, whether through their own experiences or those of their friends or relatives. So. Even though New York City may have been the most appropriate jurisdiction for a criminal trial and may have contained arguably the most experienced law enforcement personnel available to testify, even with that, constitutional considerations would most likely have militated in favor of a venue transfer. And very much like the climate here for the Floyd murder trial, in the case of the 9-11 tragedies, given the national impact of events, an unbiased jury would have been very difficult to impanel anywhere. But let's talk about a real case that took place in California back in 1991, the Rodney King case. So the Rodney King case, four white LAPD officers were tried for the roadside beating of an unarmed black motorist, Rodney King. The officer's attorneys filed a motion to change the venue because local passions were inflamed. The passions were inflamed by a very graphic video of a really savage beating uh, of Mr. King by the police. The footage had also been picked up by national media and resulted in a media feeding frenzy. The trial court judge in the Rodney King case said, no way, the case stays here. This was where everything happened and this is where all the witnesses are. The case stays in Los Angeles. The cops lawyers appealed and the appeals court agreed with the police and ruled that a transfer to another county was necessary for the officers to obtain a fair trial. So what happened is exactly what the lawyers for the police wanted. The case was transferred from the ethnically diverse and urban Los Angeles to a comparatively white suburb in Ventura County, California. The officers were tried by a jury that contained no black Americans, not one, okay, not one. And guess how the jury came in on the case? The officers were cleared of all charges. For those of you not paying attention to what happened after the jury acquitted the officers, here you go, okay? 45 deaths, 
half a billion, yes, billion in property damage and rioting in reaction to the verdict. It was agreed by most that the Los Angeles riots really hammered home the need to better administer change of venue motions in American courts going forward. So let's go to a more recent case, okay? Let's talk, uh, uh, let's talk about the Boston Marathon bomber case, Jokar Tsarnaev. Jokar and his brother Tamerlan were accused of planting pressure cooker bombs at the Boston Marathon on April 15th, 2013. The case was all over the news, everywhere. The bombings killed three people and injured about 300. At the time of the bombings, Jokar was a student at the University of Massachusetts. Following the bombings on April 18th, MIT police officer Sean Collier was shot and killed in a failed attempt by the brothers to steal the officer's gun. There was a shootout between police and the brothers. Tamerlan was killed, and a Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority police officer was critically injured in the course of Jokar's escape in an SUV. Jokar was injured but escaped, and a manhunt ensued, with thousands of police searching a 20-block area of Watertown, Mass. On the evening of April 19th, Tsarnev, seriously wounded, was found, unarmed, hiding in a boat on a trailer in Watertown, just outside of the police perimeter. After the police opened fire on the boat, they arrested him and took him to the hospital. Jokar was charged on April 22nd with using and conspiring to use a weapon of mass destruction resulting in death and with malicious destruction of property resulting in death. During questioning, Jokar said that the brothers intended next to detonate explosive in Times Square in New York City. Jokar is prosecuted in Boston and his attorneys make several motions to change the venue out of Massachusetts and to Washington, D.C. without much luck. While a Massachusetts federal district court agreed to a two-month postponement, it refused to transfer the case to Washington, D.C. because the story had already been covered by national media, and the court opined that potential jurors would have been influenced regardless of where the case was tried. Jokar was convicted on April 8, 2015, and sentenced to death on June 24, 2015. What does Jokar's case tell us? Well, it's an example of how trial courts have arguably become way more cautious in their willingness to grant a change in venue since the days of Rodney King. But it is important to keep in mind that the United States Supreme Court has firmly established that it is constitutionally impermissible for a trial court to make a change of venue entirely unavailable to a criminal defendant. Rather, the defendant must be allowed the opportunity to try and show that a transfer to another venue is warranted under the circumstances of his or her particular case. So guys, back to the George Floyd murder trial. Many defense attorneys agree that successful prosecutions of police officers are very hard to come by. But in this case, the defense will have to overcome a very viral incriminating video and the crazy pre-trial publicity that this case has received already. Most people expect the defense to try and move the trial out of Hennepin County, where it is venued at the moment. But the question is, where are you going to find an unbiased jury in Minnesota? That is going to be so difficult. Under Minnesota court rules, a, a criminal case should be tried in the county where the conduct occurred, barring extraordinary circumstances. But the Minnesota rules permit a judge to move a case to another county. The basis for that has to be uh, whether a fair and impartial trial can be had in the county where the conduct occurred, 
or where pretrial publicity has made it reasonably likely that a fair trial cannot be held or in the interest of justice. The judge can decide to move a case to any of Minnesota's 87 counties, but not outside of Minnesota in this case. What would be the effect of moving the Floyd case out of Hennepin County? Well, Hennepin County includes Minneapolis, where the charged murder occurred. A transfer of the case from Hennepin to another county will almost certainly result in a jury pool with a lower percentage of black Americans. Hennepin County, guys, is Minnesota's most populous county and also has the highest percentages of black American residents. 13% of Hennepin County is black American. Only one other county in the entire state of Minnesota is over 10% black American and 47 counties are below 1% black American. Wright County, which borders Hennepin County, has only 1.6% Black American population. So, as you can see, a change of venue would significantly reduce the number of Black Americans in the jury pool and would probably very badly undermine public confidence in the ultimate verdict. So, in order to have the case removed to a more favorable county, where the hostility of a jury may be reduced, along with the likelihood of getting juries of color, the defense team will have to convince the judge that a fair trial cannot be had in Hennepin County. How can a defense lawyer do that? Well, they'll have to present evidence, most likely from a jury analysis experts and, and others to show that based upon media reporting about the incident, the general mood of the community, and all the reactions to Floyd's horrific death, that a fair trial is just not possible in Hennepin. This is not going to be easy for an attorney to do. But what about the public's reaction? Will the American public accept as fully legitimate a verdict from a non-representative jury pool in a county where the charged crime did not even occur? Well, they definitely didn't in the Rodney King case. So on a technical level, Minnesota's rules do not support a transfer of venue, a change in geographical location, if I did not explain that earlier. While the pretrial publicity about the case has been widespread, there's no reason to believe the impact has been any different on potential jurors in Hennepin County than those in any other county. Anybody with an internet connection or a cable TV station anywhere in the country, I mean, really anywhere in the world has been exposed to coverage of this case. And if the case remains in Hennepin County, the law there and everywhere in the U.S. provides important procedures designed to root out potential jurors who may be unduly predisposed for or against either party. I mean, while the law doesn't require that a juror has never heard anything about the case, it does give lawyers for both parties the opportunity to question all jurors, to determine whether they have formed strong opinions and whether they're incapable of deciding the case based solely on the evidence. The most critical procedure here is the jury selection process, what we call the voir dire. The voir dire is the part of the trial where the defense lawyer will try to weed out jurors that have animosity toward the defendant. In this case, a former police officer was charged with killing a black man in cold blood. This is what it would sound like if I were the defense counsel for Officer Chauvin, okay? To the group of jurors, do any of you believe that the defendant is guilty just because he has been charged by the government with an offense? And would each of you find the defendant not guilty if you voted right now? Could each of you find the defendant not guilty if the state fails to prove its case beyond a reasonable doubt? Do you have the strength to find 
Chauvin not guilty if the state fails to prove its case beyond a reasonable doubt? Can you do it? Will any of you hold it against Chauvin if he does not testify? Here's some more. Should the state fail to prove even one element of this offense, will each of you find Chauvin not guilty? Do you have the power to find the defendant not guilty? Can each of you promise not to make up your mind until you have heard all of the evidence and arguments in this case? Have any of you made up your mind already? Okay. And that's to the collective group of jurors. If, if you know, once, once you get down and you start speaking to individual jurors, I would ask some of the following questions, okay? Would you please share with me your honest feelings about police misconduct? And when you think about the police department in your city, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And what have you heard about your local police department? How reliable do you feel is a police officer's testimony? How reliable do you feel is an accused or an accused witness's testimony? How reliable do you think a police officer's judgments and observations are compared to your own? What would you think or feel if you saw a police officer directly avoid answering a question here? Have you or any of your relatives or friends applied for a job or worked for any law enforcement agencies, local police, FBI, DEA, Sheriff's Department, etc.? What is your feeling about police and their dealings with the public in general? And so this is just the tip of the iceberg, okay? These are like the main questions or the, the more general ones, okay? Uh, but it gives you an idea as to what a good defense attorney can do to try to get a fair jury or at least one that doesn't hate your client, okay? So how can you get an unbiased jury to try this case? Well, in fact, there is no such thing as an unbiased jury in a case like this, okay? Juries are made of people. And no one, not one of us, is unbiased in some way, okay? The defense attorney has to find a way to root out jurors who are biased against their client and hopefully biased in favor of their client, right? Will it be possible to find a few jurors who say they have not seen the media coverage? Potential jurors may lie about not seeing the video. They may lie about being unbiased or they may have other motives to try to get on the jury. I mean, really, the most anyone can hope for in this matter is getting a group of people who can just try their best or who can were capable of setting aside their bias and their opinions and and look at a case objectively based on the facts and the evidence. OK, and not only based on the facts and the evidence, but on the law that the defendant is being prosecuted under. There's a reason that juries are groups. OK, if a juror refuses to deal with the facts and the evidence, then the other members can reason with, the, with that juror and try to bring them back in and try to bring them around to a consensus and a vote for a conviction or an acquittal, okay? They will deliberate and of course, the judge is there to conduct the trial and help with the jury instructions in following the law to deliberate and get to a verdict. So the legal standard for jury selection guys is not complete ignorance of the facts surrounding the case. It's the ability to impartially apply the law to the facts admitted in court, okay? During voir dire, the judge and the attorneys can ask questions of the jurors. Uh, those questions are designed to discern a juror's inability uh, to do this impartially, okay? Including looking for evidence that the person, the juror, has already reached a conclusion or that they're willing to rely on information from 
tweets or Instagram or Facebook instead of the information that's in front of them. Okay, so no matter what, even if a change of venue is allowed, the Floyd murder trial will remain in Minnesota. And the law in Minnesota and throughout the United States does not require absolute certainty that every juror will strictly apply the law as instructed and only consider the admissible facts. So back to the Floyd prosecution, okay? With the nation watching and protesters already in very agitated state, the Minnesota courts are really under a microscope here. And, you know, will moving the case out of Hennepin County be a serious mistake? I would like to know what you think, so feel free to comment there. What would I do, okay? I would try to convince the defendant, my client in this case, to ask for a bench trial where the judge acts as the jury. So if I were uh, Derek Chauvin's attorney, I, I would be advising him to ask for a bench trial where the judge will decide the case, not, uh, not a jury. I would not want a jury if I were representing uh, Derek Chauvin. Uh, and if that were the case, he would not need a change of venue. I would not have to ask for a change of venue because with the judge acting as a jury, those biases that we've been talking about are presumed to go away. And because a change of venue motion is so rarely granted, I would not want to count on it in this case. So I would ask for a bench trial. OK, so Derek Chauvin the other day said almost nothing during an 11 minute hearing where he appeared before Hennepin County Judge Denise Riley. He appeared on closed circuit television from the state's maximum security prison in Oak Park Heights. Chauvin's attorney, Eric Nelson, did not contest the bail, which was raised from the original 500,000 initially set. And uh, his attorney did not address the substance of the charges at all, which now also include third degree murder and second degree manslaughter. And uh, the next hearing on this case is scheduled for June 29th. Okay, so we'll be following the case and we'll keep you updated. But also uh, something that a lot of people are not talking about, federal charges are, are very likely to, to follow here. And in fact, uh, the Justice Department recently announced that it has opened an investigation and has made the, this investigation its top priority. And, and what's really interesting here is that there is no prohibition against both the federal government and the state government charging the same person with crimes relating to the same conduct in the situation. The Supreme Court of the United States just last year decided that this type of dual approach to, to prosecution, which is often called separate sovereigns, is constitutional. The, the case for you law fans out there is Gamble versus the United States. The most likely federal charge that will follow here is deprivation of civil rights. Prosecutors will have to prove that somebody acting under color of law, and police officers definitely qualify, willfully deprived George Floyd of his constitutionally protected rights. Floyd's right to be free of unreasonable seizure by the police was violated, and as a result, he died. This is what the DOJ will have to prove, okay? Given the strength of the evidence here, it's uh, pretty likely that the Justice Department will file those charges against Derek Chauvin soon. This is all really really crazy stuff in crazy times, but let me wrap it up here. The overwhelming response to the viral videotape has led to a quick and powerful public response out there. The demand for justice for George has already triggered political action for criminal justice reform, especially for black and brown people in America. I'm sure we will all be very happy to not have to endure the events of these past weeks in order to cause change.
but change is good and change is needed and we shouldn't be scared of change this country has always come out of times like these for the better so that's it for me i hope that you guys enjoyed this Thank you.